good morning, friends, family, and everyone in between. To all of the family and uh, famines out there. Nice to, uh, nice to see you guys with my voice. Um, because when I speak and you hear my voice, my voice enters your brain and I kind of like take up space in there for a little while and look around and inhabit it, in, in, inhabit it. So, uh, thank you for allowing me the space in your brain today. I was going to say this morning, but maybe it's, a maybe it's the evening when you're listening to this time, you know? She's a doozy. Um, welcome to episode, is it nine? Yeah. I do this every episode, don't I? Uh, what episode is this anyway? Uh, should probably have called the show that. Uh, we are going to talk about the month of September today. How was your month, everyone? Did you guys have fun? September, first month of the fall. You know, gotta love that. Um, went to a Blue Jays game last night. My first one of those in a very long time. Um, I'm a big bandwagon fan because it looks like they could get into the playoffs or whatever it is now. So it's always fun to cheer for a winning team. Um, I spent all of last basketball season cheering for the Tampa Bay loser Raptors. So it, it's nice to uh, get some wins under your belt every now and then. That was fun. We uh, beat the Yankees. Great game. Two hum ro- hum runs, hum, hum runs by uh, Bo Bichette. Gotta love it. Um, before I get started too, I just want to kind of do some bitching for a hot sec. Hope you guys are cool with that. So today here in Canada is the first ever uh, National Day of Truth and Reconciliation. Just in reference to the horrors that Indigenous people here in Canada have had to face. Basically, since us uh, white pieces of shit touched down and fucked life up for them forever. Um, this is a day that should have been had. I mean, the very, very least we can do is give a day where we just kind of are mandated to reflect on all these horrors. Uh, but the reason why it's been put into place specifically now is because earlier in the summer, um, I actually did a bit of a mini episode on this was when all of those graves were found of those missing indigenous children at the residential schools all across Canada. Um, Now initially when I did the episode reflecting on that and when the news came out it was something like 400 um, unmarked graves were found. Society was all in uproar about that. It uh made the news eventually. I actually remember it took a few days before news outlets actually started reporting on it. Uh, mainstream media anyway. 
for a few weeks, you know, it was uh, reported on and then just kind of went away, which is interesting because uh, we just kept finding more graves, you know. Uh, if I recall, right now we're just over 6,000, which is more than 10 times more graves than there were at the beginning of the summer. Uh, haven't heard a word about any of that on the news in months at this point. Anyway, so the point I'm trying to make, well, one of the many points I'm trying to make, is that today was the first ever National Truth and Reconciliation Day. Just to kind of, um, in light of all of that. And, I mean, the government messaging for this has just been abysmal. Um, the federal government basically just left it up to provincial governments to decide whether or not they wanted to make it a statutory holiday in their province. Um, <laughs> show, show us how much they care about this issue, right? Yeah, I mean, you can make it a holiday if you want. It's up to you guys, right? Thanks, that's, that's really great. Um, but anyway, so today, to kind of, as a society, commemorate the first ever uh, Truth and Reconciliation Day, and to just kind of, as a symbolic show of solidarity to the indigenous people who not only have lived through all that trauma, but had to relive all that generational trauma this summer, you know, hearing about all these unmarked graves, and these are, these are family members, you know, these are old friends, these, these are people that either were in the, the current indigenous people's lives or were in their ancestors' lives, so these are very real people um, dealing with, you know, their children, their children's children, well, I guess that's not true, their, their, their grandparents, their, their great aunts, great uncles, etc, etc, being forced to wear these residential schools and just basically just left for dead without any ceremony or, or, or any occasion to mark it. And so as a society today, uh, the call to action was wear orange. Um, personally speaking, I, I've seen that call to action quite frequently over the past few weeks. There could have been a lot more, definitely. Um, but certainly it was enough that I knew to do it. Um, woke up today and, you know, put my orange shirt on, went out in the world expecting to see a lot of other orange shirts. Um, I didn't see any. I saw none. <laughs> Not a single other orange shirt. Now, I know people are out there wearing them because I've, you know, been on Twitter. You know, I've, I've been on Instagram and I've seen people wearing it. I've seen people celebrating it. So I, I know it's not just me. I didn't just fabricate this orange shirt thing. Um, not just a figment of my imagination. It's, it's, it's a real thing. Other people are doing it. But apparently no one that I've actually come into personal contact with today. Um, I, I don't even know how to describe how disappointed and kind of disgusted I am at that. Like, absolutely, the messaging could have been much better. 
Um, but the messaging was there, you know? Like, I knew about it. Many other people knew about the orange thing today. So, where the fuck are your orange shirts, people? Like, this is the absolute bare minimum that we as a society can do to show our solidarity with these people who have gone through more than you can even begin to fathom. So much pain. And all we had to do was just wear an orange shirt for one day and no one did it. Um, just <laughs> very disheartening stuff. So next year, if you, uh, if you forgot to wear your orange shirt today, today being September 30th, uh, please just remember it next year, you know? It's the smallest thing you can do to show support and solidarity to all the indigenous people who are still in society, still out here living, working, playing with all of us. I just can't help but put myself into the mindset of one of these people who woke up today thinking, wow, maybe today finally I'll be able to walk out and see some solidarity after so many years where indigenous people have just been kind of cast aside and, 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 and basically ignored in society. Today is finally a day where we get some acknowledgement and nothing. That would suck. <laughs> right? I think so. Anyway, let's move on, but I just needed to get that off my chest because it's, uh, it, it, it just really sucks. And I think we need to put a lot more pressure on the government to take this more seriously. Like you can't half-ass something like this, you know? Something this serious, we're talking, I mean, again, and this is a very small sliver of the grand issue of the history that our country has with indigenous people. The 6,000 plus unmarked graves of dead children is a fraction of all of the terrible things that have happened with these people as a direct response of our government and our church and us, just, just us in general as a society. Um, so let's figure it out, guys. You know, let's, uh, we have to do better. Anyway, Let's talk about some music. How about that, okay? Let's put all this behind us for now and get to the important stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know, more important than um, National Truth and Reconciliation Day is uh, my arbitrary subjective ranking of a few records from the month of September. So let's get into that. So, once again, just want to thank you all for listening. I know last episode was uh, intensely long. Like, I'm talking full-length feature film. But uh, I'm, I'm going to try and cut it down this time around. No special guests. This is going to be a, uh, a true trademark classic page 5 episode. With um, all the ingredients you've come to love over the months. So let's get to it. 
Page 5, Episode 9. Thank you again so much for joining me. I'm Phil May. Let's do it. Alright. So, number five for the month of September. That was me stalling as I look up what the album's called because I forgot. Is the debut record by One Step Closer called This Place You Know. Um, as of now, I gotta give One Step Closer my official title for favorite band likely named after a Linkin Park song. Um, I guess The Faint would be a close second. Um, so this is, again, a debut record. Their first one, I think they had an EP or a few singles along the way, but this is their kind of, their first full artistic statement in intent of purpose. And for a debut record, I mean, these guys know exactly what they're doing, what they want to do, and they come fully formed, fully packaged, ready to go. So one step closer, perform a kind of, we'll say melodic hardcore. Um, kind of similar to earlier Touche Amore, uh, but with a little bit more of a kind of harder edge to it, and maybe not as much, not quite as explicitly emo, I'd say, as Touche Amore. A little bit heavier, too. Uh, the, the songs on this record, they, they all stand out, and what makes this record special amongst the kind of slew of hardcore records that seem to be coming out this year is uh, they're not afraid to integrate melody into kind of their harshness, if that makes any sense. Um, there are hooks in weird places in a lot of these songs. The the catchiness comes through not necessarily through um, the screams, which which are fantastic, and the guy can really shred his his throat. That is, the guitars also shred, but the throats also shred. Weird way of saying that. Um, but despite these uh, really harsh screams that are just filled with so much emotion, um, the songs are still catchy and their songs are still memorable and comes through in different ways, whether that's uh, through interesting guitar parts or uh, memorable drum fills, things like that. Sometimes the backing vocals come in to kind of complement the harsh leads with a kind of melodic undertone to kind of harmonize with that. And again, the result is this kind of really beautiful, really intense melodic hardcore record that I think, as I mentioned, it's been a year of a lot of hardcore releases. I feel like it's having a big renaissance. And what I'm gonna call the turnstile effect, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I stole that from a music critic off Twitter. But with the last turnstile record from last month having the kind of success that it did, the critical success and, and the kind of crossover status, 
I feel like hardcore bands that stand out in the way that One Step Closer does uh, really have a chance to, to catch on and, and, and really grow their audience quicker than maybe in the past. Uh, there's a really kind of soft, straight up indie rock kind of emo track right in the middle of the record that is I'm sure an indication of where this band will go to in time. Um, integrating more of that into their sound makes for a nice little bit of breathing room between the uh, the intense first half and the intense second half. But the point being that this is a band that can do beauty and intensity in equal measure and they're equally good at both. So this is a great first record for a band. I mean, you can't really ask for much more from a debut. It's solid, it's well-written, and they show enough kind of echoes of promise of where they could go next that you're really intrigued by this band and this record, and you want to stay with them and see where their journey takes them because as of right now, it's off to an amazing start. So, number five for episode nine, September 2021 is one step closer with this place you know. All right, number four for page five, page for peach, ooh, peach five. If I ever, uh, pivot to fruit reviews, that's certainly what I'll end up calling this podcast. Um, number four for PH5, episode nine, is To All Sides They Will Stretch Out Their Hands by Pendant. So this is a really interesting record. Pendant is the kind of ambient hope you could hear the question mark in my voice um, moniker of the musician also known as Huerco S. The first pendant record came out in 2018. Um, it's called Make Me Know You Sweet and instant classic. Uh, easily one of my favorite albums from that year. It really occupied this really interesting spot in the landscape universe because when you think of the landscape universe the ambient landscape universe sure let's just throw it all together there because usually when you think of ambient music you think um you know complimentary kind of background music to soothe or or something like that you know like it's generally you think of it as relatively good vibes and um just like soothing. Soothing's really the only real word I can use to describe what I'm trying to say here. Um, I found the record soothing, but uh, I'm a fucking weirdo and I'm sure basically no one else would because it was a very creepy kind of uncanny record. Um, the music sound, the music sounded like 
not from another planet as much as another kind of dimension entirely. It was muffled and, 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 and hidden away and just filled with all these very foreign, strange sounds that you can never quite determine the origin of. Um, and it made for a really kind of rewarding listen after listen because you, you, it's such an intriguing record. You always want to come back to it and try and try and figure out what it is exactly that you're listening to. Um, and again, it's not it's not a easy listen per se. It's a filled with strange moods that you wouldn't really think of when you think of ambient you know I, I feel like when people think of ambient music they think of like new age kind of shit you know that you put on and you like smoke a joint and just kind of like vibe out to uh you could certainly do that with this but the vibe you would end up with would be very peculiar one and, and potentially deeply unsettling great record anyway the reason why i'm talking about that record so much is because this new pendant record um was kind of written and recorded basically around the exact same time as the first one um why it's only getting a release three years later is uh, kind of confusing to me i mean i would have loved this <laughs> i would have loved this like two years ago um i've been waiting for this for quite a while, but um, why this record is only number four on my records of the month, whereas the last pendant record would have maybe been like number four of my records of the whole year, was because a lot of this album does admittedly feel a little bit like a retread of the first one. Um, again, not necessarily a bad thing considering how awesome that first pendant record is and how no one else is really making music quite like this so hearing more of the same is in its way a good thing because more of the same still doesn't sound like anything else out there um but the reason why i haven't placed it higher and the reason why it, it probably isn't going to end up making as big of an impact on me as the first one is because it really does almost just kind of feel like the b-sides from that first pendant record um you know like the soundscapes that just weren't as compelling as those initial ones to put on that record um if i recall correctly these songs were made in the weeks after the first pendant record was released so maybe not, not necessarily stemmed from the same sessions as the first one, but definitely still from that same headspace that the first record was from. And yeah, I guess I just wish it had been a little bit different and a little bit better. I don't know. I mean, it, I still love it. It's still a great album that I remember when this album dropped, it was a Wednesday, I think last week or something like that. And it was the first real rainy day of the fall. And it was perfect. I put it on, I looked outside, it was gray. I felt gray. The music felt gray. 
um, it worked perfectly. And, you know, all these kind of gloomy days that we are going to be having as we move into the fall, this is going to be the perfect soundtrack for them. But I just wish that it was as good as that first one, because that is an all-time record for me. This one doesn't quite reach those same peaks. Still great, though. So, number four is To All Sides That Will Stretch Out Their Hands by Pendant. Number three... Number three is going to, I think, uh, kind of upset uh, my one friend specifically for how low I've placed it relatively. Um, that friend being Matt Bancudi, he was, uh, he was on the episode with me a few episodes ago, back in like April, I think it was. We talked about the Youth Code record. Anyway. I'll talk a little bit more about Matt and his relationship to this record in a minute. But number three for the month is Hey What by Low. So full disclosure, should I say low disclosure, um, I had basically been expecting this to be my album of the year before I even knew it existed. Um, Lowe's last record, Double Negative, back in 2018, was really special because this is a band that had already been around for basically 30 years, had their style of music pretty well cemented. After 30 years, you'd think they would. And then out they come with this wildly experimental album that retained, like, the foundational core of the kind of music that they made, but with the help of uh, producer B.J. Burton, took it to crazy new extremes that were really ahead of its time, and just... It, it It's like seeing something that you've known and come really familiar with and love, but you don't really expect anything surprising from them, do something really surprising and it works, you know? And it's like their experiment after 30 years paid off and resulted in what I think is their best album. After 30 years, making your best album is quite a feat. Uh, Basically what they did was they integrated a lot of distortion into their sound. Um, distortion in that with the producer BJ Burton, they essentially made distortion an instrument and a central, probably the focal part of the mix of the entire album. They would craft these songs deliver them to Burton, and he would basically de deconstruct them through heavy amounts of distortion into these kind of almost unrecognizable shapes of songs that still worked, still sounded amazing, um, but just unlike anything they had ever done before. And 
huge achievement. Um, definitely one of my favorite records of that year. Um, my friend Matt, who I mentioned, I believe he claims this to be his favorite record of all time, Double Negative. So, we both kind of knew that we were we would be getting another low record this year. This is the timing kind of worked out. And, um... When it was announced that they would be working with the same producer for this new record, I was like, this is it. This is going to be the best album ever made, you know? It's going to be like double negative, but better. Because they've had a chance to kind of hone this sound now and, and, and expand on it and and flesh it out into something even better than what they touched on in Double Negative. Um, that's ended up being both true and not true. So the record definitely retains a lot of the distortion and experimental qualities that uh, Double Negative did, but um, Double Negative was again, kind of put out right in the middle of the Trump presidency, and it was a pretty pessimistic record. Um, There's a lot of despair and a lot of sorrow and, and not a lot of hope on that record at all. Um, and the distortion kind of plays into that, because I guess you could say, try not to sound too corny, but, you know, we were living in a distorted world at the time, if you will. This record, I made the joke to Matt, um, if the last record was double negative, they should have called this one double positive. Good joke, right? Um, and the reason being, because this record is filled with hope. Um, there are, you know, a few bleak moments here and there, but ultimately, you know, I feel uplifted listening to this album. Um, the songs are brighter, the vocals of Alan and Mimi, the, uh, the husband and wife duo that make up the band Low, instead of being buried under distortion in the mix like they were in Double Negative, they're crystal clear and pushed right to the front of the mix on this album. So the accent is kind of back again on their voices and actual songs themselves. Not as much the textures that were really important with Double Negative. And the songs, for the most part, are all... Again, I I'm keep going back to this word, hopeful. So Matt loves this record. He uh, claims that it is his easy album of the year, and I'm sorry for baiting that out for all the Bancudi fans that were dying to know of uh, what his album of the year would shape out to be. Um, my bad. And I, I, I can see where he's coming from, I do, but I think I had such high hopes for this record, and that ended up kind of ruining it a little bit for me, because... I had an idea in my head of what this album would be, and it's just, it's not that. Um, I think that maybe objectively speaking, this record is probably just as good 
as double negative was. But it doesn't connect to me as much as that last one did. Um, maybe I just don't feel the hope that they do quite yet. You know, hopefully I can get there. Hopefully I can get to that point where that positivity can ring true with me once again. But I, I'm just not quite there yet. And I'm jealous that they are, you know? Give me some tips, guys. Get me on your level, because I want to feel those euphoric moments that you guys clearly did while making this record. Um, we're so close. Still an amazing record, seriously. Great record, some of their best songs. Um, the integration of the distortion into kind of clearer mixes and into these more concise, um, compact songwriting elements is awesome. It's definitely a huge success, the record. And maybe you'll like it more than Double Negative, you know? Maybe you're not just a dreary old stick in the mud like I am, and this will connect to you more. But it just ain't hidden as good for me. And that's okay. Because I'm just one guy. Anyway, number three, Low with Hey What. Alright, now it's time for the mentions. Do you guys remember these? I don't think we did the mentions last episode because of the extended, uh, you know, what are we going to call it, guest series that we had going on. So I know you guys have all been craving that mentions thing. So, here, let's play it. These are the mentions. You know what? Let's do it one more time for good measure because we missed out on it last episode. Here we go. These are the mentions. Beautiful. Beautiful. Just a stunning piece of uh, music. So, the mentions for the month of September... Um, first of all, we have the Dishonorable Mention. Dishonorable Mention for this month is going to go to my girl Poppy and her new album Flux. Okay. So, it's kind of funny that I'm giving Poppy the benefit of the doubt enough to even kind of give her a Dishonorable Mention. She, I don't know if you guys know who Poppy is, she kind of started out at this, like, weird YouTube video artist, um, kind of like a, a YouTube shock artist, um, just made weird videos that, for whatever reason, caught the attention of teens all over, and she transitioned into making music few years ago. Started out as a, like a, you know, relatively straightforward pop music. But what was really fun and interesting was early last year, 2020, 
she released this record called I Disagree. And basically what it was, it was like metal pop in that it was pop music made kind of with the elements of metal music. There were chugging guitars and, 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 and blast beats every now and then, and she would do screams. And then there were still basically pop songs, you know, with hooks and verses and choruses and whatnot, but made via metal elements. Um, at the time, I thought, you know, maybe this is just a novelty and she's just kind of playing with metal for this time being, but it didn't really matter that much because the record was pretty enjoyable. I liked it. Um, you know, in spite of all the weird performative uh, YouTube stuff that she used to do, it was a pretty solid record and made me genuinely interested in what she could be like as a musical artist. Uh, so this record, Flux, is kind of her take on, we'll call it like alternative rock. You know, it sounds very kind of 90s and draws in a lot of those 90s rock sounds that have become really on vogue right now, um, especially in the pop music sphere. So the question is, is Poppy just a... Uh, a novelty and did was I disagree just kind of a one-off fluke success for this novelty artist and I hate to say it but if flux is any indication the answer is absolutely um this record sucked it's it's boring it's unmemorable I listened to the whole thing got to the end and was like I don't remember a single thing that just happened and I had no indication to put it back on and listen to it again. Like, honestly, like, the Willow record basically did what she's doing on this record in like a hundred times better. Um, and that record wasn't that great either. So <laughs> that should give you an idea of uh, how kind of boring and unmemorable this new Poppy record is. Maybe in the future she will, you know, try on another genre for size and have another fluke success but at this point i'm kind of thinking that that's not going to happen in that i disagree was just this weird lightning in a bottle moment where it just so happened to work and it's not ever going to happen again i could be wrong but i don't really think that i am anyway dishonorable mention for september is Flux by Poppy. The mention for September is... So I'm going to use a record to kind of talk about other records, if that makes any sense. So the record is... Sometimes I Might Be Introvert by Little Sims. Um, Little Sims is a rapper out of the UK. Uh, she's released a few albums up until now, but this is, I'd say, by far her defining magnum opus. Um, it, it's an it's actually an astounding record. Like, it's so, so good. Um, it just didn't quite land with me um, for purely subjective personal reasons. I mean, this thing has been one of the best 
reviewed albums of the year so far, and rightfully so. Um, just didn't quite do it for me, which is fine, you know? I have terrible music taste, so that's not her fault at all. But the reason why I wanted to bring it up today was because in a month where that kind of started off with us seeing the release of Donda and Certified Lover Boy, which I don't want to talk about too much because I spent literally like 45 minutes talking about those records last podcast, and I'm sure the last thing in the world you want to hear is my opinion on those two records anymore. But what I found really interesting listening to this record was like, it really puts into perspective how bad those other two records are and how little thought and effort seemed to really be put in them. Like you listen to this Little Sims album and from start to finish, it is so meticulously laid out. There's, it's definitely a maximalist project. There are symphonies and orchestras all over this thing. There's such a wild variety of genres on display. She sounds amazing over all of it. She's rapping about meaningful things. She's rapping her ass off as well. It's just bars on bars. Um, the subject matter is, you know, important stuff ranging from her femininity, her sexuality, her uh, experience as a young black woman growing up in the UK. And it's just like, there's so much substance on this album. Like, there's so much substance. All the songs are about something. All the songs have lessons to be gleaned and, and offer really compelling portraits of Little Sim's psyche. And then you listen, to go, go back to, and you think about Donda, and you think about CLB, and you're like, where was any of this level of effort on these records? Like, Donda is just a mess. It's not done. The mixes are terrible. Um, again, lots of great ideas in there. None of them fleshed out. Um, CLB is, for the most part, boring. Um, pretty unmemorable. It's just a retread of all the old stuff. Like... And then you had, listen to this record by Little Sims, like, this artist with, like, a fraction of the amount of resources at her disposal as Kanye or Drake has. And this thing just sounds so much better. So, the point I want to make is, like, imagine if Kanye or Drake put the level of attention, the level of detail, the level of effort into their albums as Little Sims did on this one. I can't even imagine how incredible those records would be. But that just goes to show you, you know, um, once you reach a certain level of fame, you just become complacent. And the art just doesn't matter to you anymore. Not to this level anyway. Anyway, just something I thought was a little bit interesting, contrasting the, the, uh, the three records. So. Definitely check it out though, amazing album. Um, just not for me, but probably for you. The mention for the month 
is little sims. Sometimes I might be introvert. The honorable mention for September 2021, episode nine, is It Lives and It Breathes by Common Sage. So this is also another debut record. Um, Common Sage are, I would describe them as kind of a, like a really scrappy indie slash post-hardcore band. Um, and they really remind me a lot of, let's say, almost like Devil and God slash Daisy era brand new. Um, just a lot rawer. I actually, I described this band to some of my friends as um, brand new without the annoying pedophilia attached to it. I'm still kind of dealing with the whole Jesse Lacey allegations thing. Brand new was just such an incredible band and so important to me growing up. Um, this record sounds a lot like them. Um, same kind of ethos, same, you know, mastery of dynamics, easily going from quiet to loud and back again and just making it all make sense within the framework of the song. Uh, but what I'd say separates this album from a debut record from One Step Closer, for, for example, is it, it, it's just not quite there yet. Um, it's a great example of a record that you listen to that gets you really excited about the band's future. And there are some great tracks on here. There's so much potential, but the record just is not quite there yet. But this has got to be one of the most exciting new bands that I've come across this year. And if they can grow and develop the way that Brand New did, again, I, I keep going back to them. You listen to the record, you, you'll be able to know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's very similar. But if they're able to grow and develop like that, then we're going to be getting some absolutely insane music from these guys in the future and damn i mean let's be honest i just want to put them on the podcast so that i can say i told you so in a few years right you know i'll be like oh common sage those guys headlining fucking glastonbury or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. check out ph5 episode 9 september 2021 i put them on um half kidding half nod let's be real but, killer record, especially if you're a fan of that kind of noisy, abrasive indie rock that Brand New used to bring to the table uh, before it came out that the frontman was a huge creep, sending 14-year-old girls dick pics. Um, honorable mention for the month of September 2021, Common Sage. It lives and it breathes. These are the mentions. Okay. The final two standing. This is a lot of fun. I love doing this podcast, guys. Just want to let you guys know. Um, this is a lot of fun for me. I look forward to getting to do this every month. What is that? 
say about me. I look forward to sitting in my room and talking to myself for an hour every month. Um, probably says nothing about me. Let's move on. So, number two for PH5, episode nine, September 2021, is... By the time I get to Phoenix, by injury reserve. So this is another instance where I got to shout out my guy, Matt Bencudi. Um, he's a big injury reserve fan. He kind of put me on to these guys earlier this year. And uh, he's the one who kind of let me know that this record was coming out. I would have really had no idea or cared. Um, that is until after it came out and I saw all the publications talking about it and whatnot, but if it weren't for him, I wouldn't have probably even bothered checking this album out when it dropped. Dropped strangely in the middle of the week on a Wednesday, which I gotta say, the Pendant record also did the same. I think if you're like an up-and-coming act or like someone not super established in the mainstream, Drop your music whenever you want. Like, wh what do you care about the Billboard charts? Because with everyone dropping on the same day on a Friday, it's 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 like it's almost bewildering. It's like, oh my god, there's so much music to listen to, and it's hard to kind of get through it all. Whereas both these records, they dropped on a Wednesday. It's like, great, I'm listening to them right now. You know, why not? Um, Donda, again, hate to bring it up again, dropped on a Sunday morning. I was like, cool, great, I'm listening to it right now. So, just a tip for, you know, any up-and-coming artists out there. Don't wait until Friday to drop. Drop whenever you want. You're not going to get on the charts anyway, so who cares, you know? This is your way of getting the audience's attention at a time where there aren't, you know, a billion other artists also dropping, also vying for the audience's attention. Just a thought. Anyway, this is a cool record. Injury Reserve are a massive square coats, coats, scare coats. Well, it is, uh, it is the month of Halloween. <laughs> scare coats. Massive square, oh my god. Square coats? This is terrible. Massive scare quotes hip-hop band okay and i want to make that distinction between because this does not sound like little baby okay this does not sound like a drake song this does not sound like jay-z this is some otherworldly shit it's definitely still hip-hop but what did matt say he read somewhere that someone described it as rap too <laughs> yeah this is like post post hip-hop um Really significant record because their first album was definitely pretty weird, but still pretty conventional. Um, this thing just throws it all out. Like, this is like... Pff, fuck. Death Grips meets... Music Concrete meets... Noise Collage meets Spirit of the Beehive production. It's, uh, it's really kind of all over the place. And the whole thing has this really apocalyptic feeling to it. And what makes this record special and really kind of 
adds another layer to the musical experience is that, well, the band, the group, is comprised currently of two guys. It was three guys, but um, the third member, Groggs, actually passed away shortly after this album was recorded. Well, the most part of it was recorded. So it's another kind of weird instance, really similar to that Tribe Called Quest record from a few years ago, where we're hearing a dead person. We're hearing someone who recorded this stuff for this album, but was not around to actually hear the album be released. So it's almost like listening to a ghost, in a way. And very mysteriously, Grog's cause of death has never officially been revealed. Like, no one's really sure how he died. I mean, I'm sure his close family and friends are, but um, it's never been released to the general public how this guy passed away. That being said, you listen to this album, you listen to his lyrics, you listen to the music, it becomes, you can, you can, you can get a pretty good guess at what happened. Um, there are, it's just a bleak, pretty depressing record. Lots of mentions of drug abuse, suicidal ideation, um, and the whole thing just sounds very kind of claustrophobic. Uh, the way that it's been produced um, is really almost unlike anything I've ever heard before with the mix kind of really just bouncing all over the place from song to song. Really strange production elements like using kind of grunts and breaths as percussion rhythmic pieces at various points in the record. Um, strange, bizarre recording techniques where, you know, room noise and room tone is just as apparent as the voices in the actual recording. And some just generally really haunting lyrics about the state of the world today and, and you know, just dealing with personal shit. And it would have been definitely one of the best, again, quote-unquote, hip-hop records of the year if it was just released as is. But listening to it and knowing that one of the voices that you hear is of someone who, shortly after what you're hearing recorded, actually died, adds this whole other element to the record. It, um... It just puts the whole thing in a new light and really makes you reflect on how serious and how much they really mean the things that they're saying. Um, the record does a great job of being abrasive and noisy and weird, but also really catchy at times. Like the two singles that were released, um, Superman That has one of the most unique uses of like an auto-tune hook that I've heard in a long time. Um, Knees, the other single being released. One of the best songs of the year, I'd say. 
uh, kind of built around this really simple guitars and drums loop and almost soulful vocals on behalf of Groggs talking about, you know, his body kind of falling apart as he gets older. I mean, these are catchy songs. There's lots of melodic elements to them. And then other tracks on the album are just almost like atonal at times, you know? So it's a really interesting blend of melody and noise and rhythm and lack of rhythm and standard production techniques and, and just things that your ears have probably never really heard before. It can be difficult at times to listen to, um, but again, knowing that you're kind of listening to this man's last words, if you will, last recorded words anyway, um, makes for a, a hell of an experience. So, number two, September 2021, episode nine, PH5, is By the Time I Get to Phoenix by Injury Reserve. Number one. So, this is an interesting one for me personally because this number one record I only really heard for the first time a few days ago. Um, past the last Friday of the month, uh, I think it was literally like Monday or Tuesday of this week that I came across it and downloaded it. And the whole month I listened to a lot of different music that I liked, but not a lot of it really compelled me to go back and listen to it again. Like there wasn't really an album that came out that I was like, oh, I can't wait to put this shit on, you know? Like, nothing was really that exciting to me to the point where I was just like, excited to listen to it. And that finally changed when I heard this record. So the number one album for this month is XXI by Succumb. Um, Maybe it's 11? Could be Roman numerals. Not sure. So, Succumb, and I'm really actually, I'm kind of happy that this band ended up in this number one spot and I ended up liking this record as much as I did because I feel like the trajectory of this podcast has gone, like I started off like my first episode, I had this big disclaimer being like, I like heavy and weird and dark music. So, you know, expect a lot of that. And initially the podcast had a lot of those kinds of music styles in it, but that kind of tapered away. And as time went on, you know, I was talking about a lot more, you know, pop records and hip hop records and um, things that aren't necessarily dark or weird or heavy or anything like that. This is, uh, this is dark, this is weird, this is heavy. Um, Succumb are either bass, a death metal band, but this is some of the noisiest, most brutal, just filthy death metal that I've heard all year. Um, 
they really remind me a lot of Kralis in a way. Um, in their almost experimental approach to riths, riths, riffs and rhythms and um, just kind of unexpected, surprising musical twists and turns in all of their songs. Uh, but what kind of separate them and what I think at this point makes them a better band than Kralis is this is their only their second record. Their first since um, their self-titled debut in 2017. But they've really taken the production and brought it to the next level. It's a... Uh, everything sounds... For a record that's this gross, the production is really, really well done. Um, and everything is clear. And the, the thing with Kralis lately has been their kind of weird production techniques. Like... Daemonic Wealth, which I talked about in, uh, in an earlier episode. They, like, recorded the vocals on a phone or something like that, and, like, the drums were... You know, was it the drums were on a phone? Vocals were recorded in a car or some shit. Still a great record, but listening to it is kind of like, oh, it's kind of, like, hurts to listen to, because it's just, like, so poorly mixed and whatnot. But this is really expertly mixed, and uh, it just sounds... I mean, for a noisy death metal record. It sounds really good. It's, it's pretty high-level production. Um, but what really makes them stand out and what really separates them and makes them special to me are the vocals. Um, so the vocals are done by this woman named Sherry something. I don't know her last name. But her approach to this death metal style of vocals is really unique and different than most other bands. Um, I mean, you can probably think in your head right now. You can you can hear that death metal vocal, that like you know, the like that guttural kind of you know sounds like an ogre kind of vocal style, or you could get the on contrast to really like high pitched like squealing cattle decapitation type vocals but sherry's approach to vocals is really it's very different for a death metal band it's almost reminds me of like like a crust punk band it's just like it's more yelling than screaming per se but she does it in this really unique way where her voice like like she literally sounds like a ghost or like a corpse or something like that it's just some of the most viscerally harrowing vocals that I've heard in a long time. And yeah, it sounds like a corpse. I don't really know how else to say it. Like she sounds like she's yelling at us from the realm of the undead. And it really gives an edge to the music that uh, it wouldn't have otherwise. And the record's really kind of punky in its way, um, and the vocals do a lot to kind of exasperate that. So while definitely still being traditional death metal in, in, in many ways, the way that this record incorporates you know, crust punk and um, hardcore and even grindcore at times too is just really expertly done. And the whole thing is a 
harrowing, harrowing ride from start to finish. Never any dull moments. Um, even the kind of ambient passage as to be expected um, about halfway through the album. And I don't know, there's just something about it that I think I've been... I've been kind of thirsty for a record like this for a while now. There's been... There hasn't been that many great, really intense, heavy records in a while, in a few months now. So, hearing something like this was kind of like a breath of fresh air. Kind of like a, oh yeah, I do love this kind of music. Especially when it's done as well as this is. And despite all of the great sounding records that have come out this month, it's been this really gross, disgusting record by Succumb. That's been the one that I've wanted to go back to. And I've probably listened to the album 10 times through already. And that's just in the past few days. Whereas all the other records that I listened to this month, maybe three or four times, and then I was over them. But I'm not even close to being over this. So, number one for the month of September is Succumb XXI. Shout out to The Flenzer, by the way. That's the record label that released this album. Um, one of my all-time favorite record labels, and this is just yet another outstanding piece of heavy art that they put out. Um, definitely check the Flenser out. Check out their entire discography because it's just hit after hit with those guys. Anyway, that's going to be it for this episode. I managed to cut the runtime down by about half an hour. We're still almost at 70 minutes, so... My bad about that, but listen, I just got a lot to say, okay? And no one I know cares enough for me to talk to them about this in person, so I just sit here in my room and I talk to myself about it. And I call it a podcast. And that podcast is called PH5. Thank you all for listening. This is Phil May, signing off until next month. Please reach out if you want to be featured on the podcast. It's so much fun um, talking to someone else. <laughs> uh, my voice does annoy the shit out of me by the end of these things. Thank you so much, and I look forward to... Um, I guess... I was going to say seeing you guys soon. I don't know who's listening to this. I look forward to hearing from you, hopefully. PH5. Have a great day.